16 through uh, the end of the chapter. And we've been looking now at this church of Colossae. It's a, uh, a, uh, a generation, whatever this generation is. What do they call this? Gen Z? Is this what we are? Okay, Gen Z a generation. Or, or it's the um, Silicon Valley type of place. Very prosperous cities. A tri-city area that he mentions, Laodicea and Hierapolis. And they are in a very prosperous trade route as far as commercial route. And, uh, and they have a lot of uh, the schools and universities and medical schools and all those things around. And uh, so they have a lot of philosophy. And this is, uh, and Colossae, or Colossians is a philosophical book. And we see that he's dealing with three basic uh, errors that come along. And that's legalism and uh, we see that mysticism and asceticism. We're going to try to explain those today. And it's very difficult because each one of them have a, a certain amount of truth to them, but they, but they depend on the flesh or on the mind rather than on God. Now, um, we see that God says, and now turn with me before we begin here. Let's just turn over to 1 Thessalonians. That's the next uh, book over. And notice in chapter 4 what God, tell, what God expects. So there is a certain amount uh, of discipline of the Christian life. And we have problems with that uh, today. Uh, what authority do you have to tell me to do anything? And uh, God wants me to be happy. And all these things that people tell me, well, why, why don't preach to me. And don't tell me, well, I'm in a no judgment zone. Don't tell me, don't shame me in whatever area. And when people are shaking their head, we run into that all the time, yes. But um, notice what the Lord tells us in, um, in verse uh, 1 of chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. He's talking to a new church here. This church is really going forward. They're doing well. And uh, Paul is so happy with them. And they have a, a labor of love and work of faith and patience of hope. Those are the three things that you build a church on, uh, faith, hope, and love. And this, this church is really excelling in them. But he says, finally, my brethren, he's, you know, he's been with them just for a few weeks, and now he's had to move on. So he's wanting to help them grow. He says, finally, brethren, we urge you and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. Keep on growing. Keep on doing what you're doing. Just as you have received of us how you ought to walk. Remember, walk is what? Lifestyle. It's you, you put one foot in front of another and walking with the Lord to the point that you just do things without thinking about them. But you walk and you please God. You get to the point you're pleasing God and don't even realize it. Wouldn't that be great? And so he says, for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Okay, here's the authority. He said, I gave you some commandments through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Okay, your identification, your separation from the world. This is what God expects of you to be different from the world. That you should abstain from uh, sexual immorality, or the King James says uh, fornication. That each one of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. So there again, we work on that as far as uh, discipleship. How do you walk and please God? How do you possess his old body in a way that honors the Lord Jesus? 
well, I live for myself and I don't care what people... No, if you live for the Lord, you have a name bigger than yourself to live for. He's giving you a name to uphold. And so as a result, we want to walk and to please him and to glorify his name. He says uh, that each one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage or defraud his brother in, any, in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but into holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man or me, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. So notice there is an authority of the word of God. There is an authority even to the church as we would teach the word of God. Now we have to be careful in this that we are not teaching and going into the philosophy of man. The main thing that I try to stress is that Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with a living God. Um, trying to please him in all that I do. Uh, we sing that song, Oh Lord, uh, uh, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee. Uh, so the whole idea is if I love somebody, I want to please them. I bought my wife a candy bar yesterday because I know she likes chocolate. Why? Because I love my wife. You know, I mean, she tells me after a while, don't bring too many home, you know, whatever. So that's fine too. And so uh, there again, I'm always trying to figure out, okay, if I can't get her a candy bar, what can I get her? You know, whatever. Because you just always want to do something for somebody because you love them. And just little things. Well, isn't that what I want to do with my Lord? If I really love him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, don't I want to give time to him? Don't I want to be with him? Don't I want to please him? So I want to walk and to please God because I love him. And so now we see that uh, the problem, okay, so we see here there's two extremes. There is the libertines who go and say, well, we're saved by grace, which is free. So God wants us to be happy. So none of this applies to us. This is all legalism. And uh, I define legalism in this modern age as anything you don't want to do that God tells you to do. You know, if the church says this is wrong and we could prove it from the word of God, well, who are you to tell me what to do? And we see that uh, we see this even in churches today where the libertine is, you know, who, to, who is to tell, tell you that you about your, uh, what is it, the self-awareness or the self-determination of your own sexuality? Boy, doesn't that sound great. God, he made you. <laughs> so, and he it says that if he made you, he recreated you when you were saved. So he wants you to learn how to develop in your body. What? Know you not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you? You're bought with a price. You're not your own. That pretty well takes care of uh, libertinism. The idea that I can just live by whatever I want to do. And I'm saved by grace, which is free, and don't tell me what to do. No, there, there are things that God says, I want you to learn how to walk and to please God. And so we see here that the, the other extreme are these things that we're going to look at today. And that is things that become outward, fleshly, that you think that you are fulfilling your Christianity, and yet you have left God out of the equation. And so we get wrapped up into the details and we forget the essence of the whole situation. So he says, 
he says, let no one judge you. In verse 16 of chapter 2 of Colossians now. Verse 16 of chapter 2, Colossians. He says, let no one judge you in food or drink or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon uh, or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance, there's the essence, the substance is of Christ. Uh, so he says, let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility in worship of angels. So we'll get into that in a moment. That's the uh, mysticism. But the first one is legalism. He says, the observance of things, the um, foods that you eat. Now, of course, he was dealing with Judaism here. And if you, if you eat pork, you are a sinner. And of course, the Lord had already dealt with that back in Acts chapter 15. Um, I did have a man come one time and he kind of put me under conviction because here we had some people that, that you know, he was saying, you know, you, um, you talk about bad health and everything and yet, uh, you know, you have certain foods or whatever that, uh, that you're very undisciplined with. I mean, he's talking, you know, here we've got people with diabetes and they're eating, you know, cake and all that. And there again, the moderation. How do we moderate this without pigging out? You know, uh, uh, let your moderation be known before all men. So that means that we're not so legalistic that if you eat a piece of ham, you're going to hell or you need to be kicked out of the church or whatever else. But at the same time, if you're uh, Jack Spratt, eat no fat, his wife eat no lean, then his wife's got a problem. If all she eats is fat. So, you know, those, those are things that we've got to deal with in moderation but they are not the essence of Christianity. What I mean by that is you can, and there are a lot of unsaved people that have very strict diets and they're proud of that. And they think they're better than others. The vegans today, vegans, vegans, uh, they are, it's almost a religion to them because look, I don't eat this and I don't eat that. And I'm getting closer to God through this or I'm a lot better than you are, the pride of life, because look how I can control my body. And so we get into, uh, you know, the eating, and then we talk about the festivals. And of course, the big battle back then was, do you observe church on the uh, Sabbath or on the first day of the week? And of course, we see that the church uh, eventually settled on the first day of the week, Sunday, which is, instead of S-U-N day, it became S-O-N day. And it was because we celebrate, or we observe, I don't like the word celebrate, the resurrection, Resurrection Sunday. And so, um, and, but um, there are those who want to worship on the Sabbath. I say, as long as you know the Lord Jesus Christ, that's up to you. I'm not going to condemn you and send you to hell because you want to worship on the Sabbath. Although, if you're off on that doctrine, then you're going to be probably off on a few others, work salvation and so forth. And most, now not all, but many are. So you don't judge a person simply because they want to worship on the Sabbath. But uh, at the same time, uh, the Seventh-day Adventists have got some major di uh, um, doctrinal problems, major. And we won't get into that. We don't have time this morning. And so, um, again, we see that... Uh, he says, regarding festivals, do you go to the Passover? 
uh, or do you observe Passover? What about uh, Yom Kippur? Do you still go to, do you have, uh, uh, do you celebrate Hanukkah? And so to the Jew, that was a lot. I mean, this was a lifestyle change. And if you do, was it wrong? No, it's not wrong. But at the same time, do you realize what you're doing? And who are you identifying with? But if you start telling me as a Gentile that I've got to do these things, then we got problems. Because God never, you know, we see that uh, this is the age of the Gentiles. And for one thing, you can't, uh, well, we get into that, but you understand. Um, but we do this in, in, in our circles too. Uh, we, we stress modesty. I mean, you want to walk and to please God, to honor people or honor God. Uh, we, you know, I like what um, even teaching uh, Christian, what do they call it? The idea of teaching uh, Christian, uh, Christian femininity. What was that thing? That ch Christian charm classes we used to have. But the whole thing was, so you teach a, a girl or a guy how to dress, how to do all, and to please God, draw, draw attention to your face and you know, that's where your glory and your hair, all that, which is uh, your glory. And, but if you draw your attention to other places, then, uh, you know, that's, you're going to get what you sow. And so those are things that, uh, modesty. And so we, we want to teach that. But then when we get into, if you cut your hair, then you're sinful. And I know I, I, there was a lady that, I mean, she was a pastor's wife and she really, and it was, uh, and then I had a, a, a relative that they went to a certain belief and the women never cut their hair and they would wear, they'd get these little things and put it in there and they'd curl, you, some of you know what I'm talking about. But did that make them any holier than you? Does that make you holy because you don't wear your hair the right way? Or uh, some people don't believe in wearing any jewelry at all, ladies. Is it wrong for you to wear earrings? But then how far do you go with earrings and you got them, you know, bells, well, what was that? Uh, uh, bells and rings in your fingers and bells on your toes and a bone in your nose, ho, ho, you know, whatever. Uh, how far do you go with that? Uh, and so, uh, again, are you, what are, who are you glorifying when you do that? And again, is it sinful and is it wrong? Should we kick some lady out of the church because she comes in and every time she moves, she jingles? You know, uh, um, no. <laughs> or a guy, and unfortunately guys do that these days. So, um, no. Um, and so, but we get into all these little things that divide us. And, uh, and these are things that God says are the non-essentials. Now, I'm not saying, and we, and I know people that, uh, you know, because of their background, uh, they don't wear certain clothes or, you know, slacks or no slacks. But then again, I've got people that I've met two different ladies or two different men who's, well, one, man, one lady and one man whose mother uh, came to this church uh, back in, oh, 30, 40 years ago, a generation ago. But they were met at the door and told they couldn't come in because they were wearing slacks. My, oh my, I mean, no, I mean, uh, and I, like I tell people, and then when I got here, we had a big problem with no Christmas. I mean, we should not have a Christmas tree. No, boy, we got a wreath back there. Do you realize what, and they get into all this stuff and, and they, they won't come to church because we have a wreath on the door until we take it off and crazy things like that. Well, you say, well, great. No, let's don't, I don't want to judge them. 
They differ from me in those areas. But like I told them, I, with the background this church has, I don't want to be known as the no Christmas church. Because people, and I, and I, had, I made mistakes in my ministry where we tried to get certain things, but then I would meet people in town. They said, well, that church, you don't believe in women doing this or whatever. Well, that's not the essential. You know, uh, again, uh, <laughs> you know, and then we get into all kinds of other issues that divide us. But, uh, but legalism, I, if I start condemning you about certain things that are not, now, what is the essence? The essence, okay, with dress is modesty and not drawing attention to yourself. I have to, I work with that. I have noticed uh, now several times on the internet uh, that preachers that I love listening to, but they don't wear a tie to church anymore. Am I going liberal if I don't have a tie next Sunday? Some of you just regret, no, you won't. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, or some, and then again, some go so far as now they wear just so sloppy stuff. No, and there again, uh, I want to bring dignity to the Lord. I'm worshiping my Lord, and we have a worship service on Sunday morning. So there was a principle that we followed for ages, and that is when you go meet, to meet the Lord, you wear your Sunday go to meeting clothes. There was just something about it because, hey, it's not because I want to honor you. I'm going to meet the king. And so uh, does that mean we do it on every service? No, on, sun, on Wednesday nights and Sunday night. Well, you know, there again, there, those are judgment calls. And I'm not going to condemn that. In fact, I love to hear this uh, one guy that I love. He's one of my favorite preachers on the internet. But I was, you know, there again is, uh, I could just turn him off. I don't, I mean, turn off the video and, and listen to him, you know, or whatever. But uh, I don't want to condemn a person for maybe being a little different. But the thing about it is that they start preaching things that I know are wrong in the Bible. For instance, we get into, oh, it doesn't matter. And uh, if you... Uh, you know, and then again, they cross the line on modesty or they cross the line on some activity. Well, what's the line? Well, we have to decide. You know, those are things or judgment calls. Um, but at the same time, um, let's don't get tied up with legalism where, you know, you, you don't cross, that, that person doesn't cross their T or dot their I just like we do. Well, uh, when they get to heaven, they'll find out we're right. But, you know, so that's where we just got to leave it. But, um, but whenever you start saying, well, I'm holier than you because I dress a certain way or I go to church every Sunday. And even people, oh, I go to church every Sunday. That makes me, no, you don't go to church every Sunday to be, to be holy. You go to church every Sunday to learn how to be holy. You go to church to submit yourself to the Lord for holiness. Uh, you don't come to church and become holy by going up and kissing the altar or whatever else or, you know, kissing somebody's ring or whatever, all the rest of the stuff they do. That doesn't make you holy. And it doesn't, definitely doesn't make you better than somebody else. And in fact, if that's what you're trusting for your salvation, you better watch it. And so uh, we have to be careful with, uh, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't go with those who do and all that. Well, it's good that you don't smoke. And, you know, you're honoring your body. It's good that you don't chew tobacco. 
It's good, boy. I'm glad you don't do it. But wouldn't you imagine if we have, you know, in the aisles here, spittoons for, you know, I wouldn't want to be the one to clean those things. But, you know, just crazy things. But, um, you know, I don't go to a bar. And does that make me holy because I don't go to a bar? No. But I don't want to be unholy by going to a bar. <laughs> yeah, I understand what I'm saying. But uh, it doesn't make me holy. It just makes me more in a position to honor my Lord. But by honoring my Lord is submitting to him and not to the will of man. And so we see that uh, simply because we do the things we do doesn't make us holy. It's we do these things because we love the one that makes us holy. Does that make sense? And so legalism, uh, and there again, I had a preacher one time and that's when I really started seeing this and, and saying, wait a minute, I'm not going that route. And he had ABC and he had, a, he had something that if you did these things, then you'll be a, a, a what did he call it? A hundred percent Christian. And A had this and B had this and 26 things. And come to find out the guy was living, and we'll see this what he talks about uh, here at the end of the chapter. He was living an immoral lifestyle and yet he's teaching all this stuff about how to be holy. And that's what happens. And that's why even the people, and I really feel sorry for them because there are people that are trying to stand up to all the corruption that's coming into our country today. But until my people, which are called by my name, humble themselves and turn from their wicked way. So what do they do whenever we protest? They come back and they look for our sins, right? And so, and many times they can find them. And there's, there's this lady with uh, Moms for Liberty I don't know much about it. I hope that was something that happened years ago, but, but now they pull back up on her because we're all sinners. And like I've said many times, it depends when somebody comes and says, Pastor, I've sinned, and it's really horrible. And I've been knowing you for years. Well, it, it really matters a lot whether that was 30 years ago or two days ago, doesn't it? So those are all things that we look. I'm not what I want to be, but I'm not, praise the Lord, I'm not what I used to be. And so, yes, we all sinners and we come from all kinds of backgrounds. And I delight in that. I delight in the fact that people have grown up in a Christian home and never seen it. That's what I would, like I said, I want my kids to have, and my grandkids to have boring testimonies. And they don't, but at the same time, that's, that's the goal. But at the same time, uh, I, we'll have people that come in and they paid a price for their sins. And like they, they say, yeah, um, I've got a great testimony, but I'd rather have yours, you know? Or they say, well, whatever, you know, somebody who's, you know, been living for the Lord for a while. And so uh, because sin, even though it's forgiven, still leaves marks and scars, does it not? And so we're all, we're all sinners saved by grace. You can imagine Paul, um, you probably wake up at night sometimes thinking about that mother that was screaming when he was taking her away from her kids and throwing her in prison because before he was saved, he imprisoned them for believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think he ever got over that. I think that's one reason that drove him so hard. But that's good. I mean, it, it, something that was a curse, God turned into a blessing. And if that motivates you to, to really serve the Lord because of what you used to do, that you want to make up for lost time, praise God, but make sure that you're staying with the Lord. And so we've all, we've all got problems. 
And so we want to learn how to walk and to please God. That's the big question. How do we do it? And as a pastor, how do I teach it? And how do I practice it myself? How do I inculcate it in people's lives? And the main thing is we got to teach relationship, relationship with my Lord. Do I do this because the preacher and everybody around me, I want them to be acceptable? Or do I do it because uh, this is pleasing to God? One thing I've learned in the ministry, even Christian schools especially, uh, you can have kids that will never get a demerit, never get in trouble, but they're inside, they've learned how to conform, but they're just waiting to get out of this place because they've never learned to really love the Lord. And so, is you know, we got all these rules, and unfortunately, sometimes we try to set up a utopia. And I think of other organizations that, you know, if we just all get together and live in this certain bubble, and we, and I, you know, I've heard of men who said, you know, I don't, my kids don't know one unsafe person. Well, that's a shame. I mean, they're all around. They go to Christian school. They go, I mean, the church has big gymnasiums and all that. They you know, want all these things, and they never have to be out in the world. Well, uh, what happens when they finally have to? And so, uh, you know, uh, my daughter when she, uh, and my kids, they started working at McDonald's. And they'd come home and say, Dad. And they would tell me things. I say, and they would, every one of them said, Dad, you know, the one thing I noticed is no matter how old some of these people get, and there are people 40, and they got more, they have more, they're more immature than I am. <laughs> or something like that. They wouldn't say it. They wouldn't admit that they're immature, but they would say, you know, the idea that, uh, that these people haven't grown up yet. And I said, uh, now you see what we're trying to protect you from, you know? Uh, and that, oh, dad, this, she's got all kinds, of, he's got all kinds of problems. And, and yet they laugh at me because I go to church. I said, yeah. And so they, you know, you, you get them out in the world and they start realizing, hey, it's not what daddy taught me that matters. It's what I believe that matters. And that's what, you know, that's why I've said many times, it doesn't matter what I believe, it's what God does in your heart. If I can get the word of God into your heart and you establish a relationship with a God that, want, that you want to please because he gave himself for you, then that's my job. But if I give you a list of Calvary Baptist no-no's, you or, you know, protocol, whatever. And you do everything. I'm saying, man, praise the Lord. We give you a little star and all this. And you're 100% Christian. And yet you've got all kinds of things in your life that you know are wrong, but you get, you're good at hiding them. And that's unfortunate. That's the bad thing about a, a Christians growing up, uh, children growing up in a Christian home, is they start noticing others and their inconsistencies and they learn from them how to cover up their own inconsistencies and please others, but not please God. So how do, you know, in a Christian school, in a, in a youth group, in a church, no matter what age, uh, how do we teach people to love God and yet teach them how to walk and to please God? And there are things that are definitely wrong. And that's why, with you know, whenever people come here, I, and I go through very, and, and what is expected of you as a church member? And this is what we do now. 
Uh, it might be a little different than what you're used to or where you come from, but this is what we do. So if you join with us, then we expect that we, you can expect certain things from us and you can, we can expect certain things from you. I had a lady that wouldn't join one time because someone was a Jew. Remember, it was something we didn't practice the Lord's Supper just like she had come from the church she'd come from. I'm going, okay. I really never understood that, but that was her big crawl. I mean, big thing is we didn't do it just like she'd come. And I never could figure out exactly how they did it, but, but you know, whatever we were doing was wrong. But uh, if that's what, if that's the one thing that will keep you, if that's one thing will keep you from joining this church, then there's probably several others too. But usually it's not the big, it's not, that's not usually the big thing. It's an indicator of things that are bigger. And so, uh, those are the things that uh, we want to be careful with. Legalism. If you don't do this, then you're not a good Christian. Well, there are certain things if you do, then I'm going to question you, just to be honest. If you're, uh, now if you're a UPS driver and I see you coming out of a bar, I'm not going to worry about it. But if you don't have that UPS thing on and I every Saturday night I pass by and your car is out there at the bar, I'm going to question you. Is that, does that make sense? And so uh, we have to be wise in what we're doing. And so the legalism, we want to be careful of that. Then the next is uh, what we look at, and of course we're not going to be able to cover all these. Uh, and this is very difficult because of the swings that go back and forth, the pendulum. Uh, what happens is the pendulum, I um, uh, had a, a good teacher teaching, he said, it never hits the middle. It always goes too far to the one side or too far to the other side. And so you're a legalist. And that's why I tell my kids now because they're out and they went to strict schools and all that. And I said, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You were taught some principles, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There were a lot of good things you learned. Maybe there were some things that you think went overboard. Any parent here perfect? Any parent here that have grown kids that haven't looked and you look back and say, boy, I wish I'd done things differently. Isn't it sad you have to learn as you go and by the time you learn it all, they're out of the house? I mean, I still look back on, especially my oldest, but then on down the line and the things I had to learn and I still feel so bad about some of the things that I had to learn in dealing with my children. Okay, I'm saying, some, yeah, we all, we're all like that. Uh, but that, isn't that life? But the one thing that's interesting, but ironically, uh, my oldest son and I are the best of friends. I mean, I don't want to get into, you know, I have to qualify everything, but uh, we're very close. And praise the Lord, because I, I hope I taught him a relationship and not rules. And we do things because we love people. And he, if any, if all of my kids, and of course every kid is a little different, he's the one that really wanted to please me. In spite of the fact that I had to learn so many things and was rougher on him, that, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so it's hard. And as a pastor, I look back and say, I, you know, there's certain things that as a pastor I should have not bowed to the pressure of other churches who were looking at us to see if we were doing the things like they were doing when I inwardly kind of disagreed with some of the things they were doing. 
but I bowed to peer pressure and I paid for it because I couldn't really defend what I was doing whenever people really pinned me down with it. But you know, there again, um, you know, the whole, all this, the ideas, standards and all that. Well, those are things that are difficult. But now the next one, and, and there again, we all have to learn and every one of us have standards in your home. You better have some standards in your home. And your standards in your home might be a little different than mine. You might make your kids go to bed at eight o'clock at night. My kids stayed up to 9.30. Are they sinful? Some of them couldn't get to bed. But you know, those are types of things where, where uh, do we condemn people because my kids don't eat sugar? La la dee da, you know. So, uh, and uh, my kids only eat health food. Well, well, we're dealing with in-laws with all this stuff. Does that make them any better? No. Bring your own food when you come. They do, <laughs> and we have a good time, you know. But uh, I'm not going to condemn them. But if I want to go out and get me a McDonald's hamburger while they're there, I'm going to do it. Now, when I go to their house, I won't. But when I'm there in my house, you know, if they want to bring their own food and cook their own, but. Then again, I'll eat their food, and it's usually pretty good. <laughs> and so I'm not, I'm not adverse to eating their food. But I'm not going to, okay, give me a list of all these things that we got to do and how we got to cook it before you get here. Unless you've got a wheat allergy or something like that. Now, that's one thing we will try. But there again, there's legalism, and then there's common sense. And so, uh, so see, see the difficulty you have in all that? It takes wisdom to walk and to please God. It's not cut and dried. And so the many times in a, uh, churches will say, okay, and I know they were really strict in these areas. But then when they decided, wait a minute, this, we were doing the wrong way, then they go too far the other way. And now they're so loose and they're, I mean, you know, two different churches it seems like. Well, wait a minute, they're somewhere in the middle that uh, God, now, there again, we're not talking about uh, about compromise, but we we're talking about moderation, knowing how to walk and to please God, and to be a testimony to others. Um, and so, simply because I do the th certain things that I do, doesn't make me holy or any holier than you. And then, whenever you have unsaved people and they're coming to church, how do you teach them? Hey, maybe this is immodest, or maybe this is a wrong practice in your life that you're going to you're going to need to get rid of. How do you lovingly do that? There again, speak the truth in love. And so, as we deal with people, but if you but you got to really get to know that person, establish a relationship, and they got to know that you care for them. And even with that, they might get a little upset. But. Uh, you know, I got people, <coughs> come on in. So um, I got people that won't come to this church because they know our stand on certain issues. I'm not going to change. If my disposition bothers you, I'll do everything I can to change it. I mentioned the lady that just was irritated about my tie and it was too short. Well, I'll change that if I can. You know, I just bugged her to death that my tie was too short. Well, why didn't you tell me earlier? I'll do everything I can, you know, to, to not draw attention to myself or whatever. But if she came and said, now, Pastor, you know, you're a little bit too much on this, whatever. 
then if it's a biblical issue, I said, well, this is where we stand. So I like what someone says, if my disposition bothers you, I'll do everything I can to, to please you. If you don't like the way that uh, um, I don't put my, uh, a napkin under my uh, silverware at the table, then I'll try to make sure that I change that. And then, I, you know, you go to a certain restaurant and there's silverware just laying out on the table in another place. They got it all wrapped up. So which one's right? Uh, I would rather go with the one that has it wrapped up. But there again, you know, uh, but there again, that's the way that gets it home. So if my disposition or things that I can change to please you, I'll do it. But if it's because of a stand on the Word of God that we must, that God says this is the way to walk and please Him, then we'll just have to agree to disagree because we can't change, especially in the area of sin. And like I said, a man, uh, uh, I met a man, well, there's two or three guys, people, that uh, he uh, was talking, we, we were going, uh, talking about a lot of good things, uh, just out here, stopped to talk with me about the Lord and so forth. But then he got into, well, your church believes this and my church believes that. And what he was talking about, he said, this, their church was going really the route of immorality, just to put it that way. Uh, they uh, are now accepting, um, their <laughs> adultery is rampant in that church, but also now they're accepting the, the wokeism. And I guess let's put it that way. I don't want to get into all the different terms. And I'm saying, we can't go that route. We just cannot go that route. Well, I'm a good a musician and all that. Well, I'm glad you're a good musician, but we can't use you. Does that make sense? Now, oh, I'm better than you are. No, I'm just going to follow the Lord and I'll let God take care of you. I'm in a no judgment zone. I can't judge you. I'll let God judge you. But when you come here, there are certain things we expect. Does that make sense? I mean, I keep saying that, but because this is one of those areas that's the most difficult to deal with because of that pendulum. We go too far one way and then we come too far the other way. I'm saying straight because many of, most of us have had, some of us have had kids that grew up in Christian school. And they, many, and unfortunately what I see with a lot of Christian, and kids that even came to this school, I, never, I wasn't here when they had the school, but I meet them and now they're 30 and 40 years old and they're better toward this school or better toward this church because I was sent home because my dress was an inch above my knee or I was sent home because my hair was too long or whatever. Well, those were standards that you say, if you're going to come here, that's what we expect you to. But how do we get people to want to have those standards or at least want to comply because they love the place rather than if you come here, you know, this is what you got to do. You're not in a coat and tie. What's wrong with you this morning? This is Sunday morning service. What's wrong with you? You're a sinner. Look at this guy. He's better than you are because he's wearing a coat and tie. Sinner? <laughs> you know, see what we're talking about? That's, and don't be judged. I had a lady one time, well, I get into this, but this is a little bit different. And I've got to stop, I guess. But uh, I had a lady one time that she came to church and she had, what, a, had a pretty dress on, you know, all this stuff. But she saw another lady that was a little bit lower class in our church that, uh, economically, uh, that had the same dress on. You know, she went home and changed it. <laughs> I'm going, oh, vanity of vanities, you know. And when we get to that point, we got a problem. 
like I said, we dressed our Sunday morning. We went to, we were meeting the king, but that doesn't mean you have to wear a tuxedo. tuxedo. Yeah, but there again, I don't want to draw attention to my alligator boots. No, but no, no, I don't. But but uh, there again, I don't want to. Uh, I I want you to hear the word of God. And if it's if my tie's too short, if I got a string on my coat, if my hair's not just right, and by the way, I got skin this past week, so I don't have any. But you know, uh, you know, I the main thing is let's let's develop a relationship with the Lord, and He'll take care of the rest. Okay, there's three things here, and we got into the first one. So you can see how difficult this is to teach. Next week, we'll look at, uh, uh, look at mysticism, which is the worship of angels, and how that as a church, we can become mystics and get so spiritually we're not an earth, earthly bit of good. Spiritually minded that we're not an earthly bit of good. Or heavenly minded. You're so heavenly minded, you're not an earthly bit of good, whatever it is. So we'll look at that next week. Father, thank you again for your word. Give us wisdom to know how to walk and to please you. Lord, may we do it because we love you with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, that we want to please you and to represent you to a lost and dying world. May they see our love for them. May we see their, our, their care, our care for them and for our burden about their sin. And yet our compassion to want to see, seek their for them to have the forgiveness that we have through you. Bless, we pray now in Jesus' name.